Welcome to After All, the cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCon. And we are on episode three, Bess, You Is My Daughter Now, of The Mary <laughs> Tyler Moore Show, in which Mary and Bess become a little closer, mm-hmm. Bess being Phyllis's daughter, the daughter of the downstairs neighbor, So according to IMDb, this episode, episode three, Mary agrees to take care of Phyllis's precocious daughter for a few days. So one evening, Phyllis comes upstairs and is in a tizzy. She's she's panicked about something and it turns out her husband has chicken pox and Phyllis has never had it. So to try and keep her away from it, which is so against what would happen when we were when I was a kid. It was Yeah, you get exposed. You instead. you th- you threw Although I suppose as an as an adult that might not be a good thing. True. But you would throw chicken pox parties and have us all socialize and get the chicken pox. Mm-hmm. So she asks Mary to look after Bess for a few days and keep her kind of out of the way and so she does stay for a couple of days turns out it's not chicken pox and Bess can come home but Bess does not want to come home so she stays with Mary for a few more days and calamity ensues essentially as is as is always the way well you have to have a plot line so yes exactly what I found really interesting about this episode is kind of this discussion of when you become a mother as opposed to if oh yes Which is right off of the bat, I guess Bess comes upstairs and is staying there and Mary's saying, Mary asks Rhoda, when you become a mother, do you think you'll be a good mother? Or do you think I'll be a good mom when I become one? It's Mm -hmm. not a question of if, it's It's very much... It's always a question of when. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, did did you always know you wanted to be a mom? (sighs) Good question. Did I know? Well, I certainly wasn't ready... Uh, when your father and I first got married, we got married young. I was only 22 at the time we got married. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, 23, I suppose. Unofficially, I was almost 23. And then we didn't have your brother for like six years. And that was my, that was primarily because I didn't feel ready. To have kids. To have kids. In general, I wanted to, I, I was just starting out in my career and I wanted to have fun and I wanted to experience being independent because in my day, you also didn't live on your own. In my day and in my culture, you didn't live on mm-hmm. your own before getting married. So um, I went from my parents' home to the marital home from one day to the next. Mm-hmm. So the my only way of experiencing adult independence was to get married. Right. So that's what I did. And I sure didn't want to then turn that around and become a mother so quickly there thereafter mm-hmm. without experiencing being young married but childless and independent yeah 
because so. that because that was a thing that you could be it, it was yes it's not yes. so unfathomable no because it was to, it was modern times already <laughs> and the pill existed so you didn't have to have babies right away no you had options so you had op- options and uh, so I was very apprehensive about having children too early because it would cramp my style yeah. and I didn't want that so <laughs> and eventually yeah I was having fun did we cramp your style when we finally came around no no we no because good. I was ready because I waited long enough fair long enough meaning till 29 yeah that's kind of you. That's that's you now. That's me now. That's I you am. Now. I am so not ready to have kids. I understand that completely. But it has become, at least for me, well, for most of my, I guess, reproductively capable life, I've thought of whether or not I want to have kids as right. opposed to when. Yes. Like it was, it was always something that kind of, it existed in the back of my mind, the reality that I likely didn't want to have kids. It wasn't so and much I a question. You saying that. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. for many, for many years. reasons. Yeah. yeah. And I would always say that I didn't, I didn't know if I wanted to have kids and that was the discussion. It was never, mm-hmm. you know, I, I never really felt any pressure from you like, oh, you have to give me grandkids. That was never a thing. But I want grandkids. I know you do. I know, but that's not that, you know, I would never... You've never you've never no. said that to me in any serious way. No. You've said it in no. jest every now and then, For sure. usually when we're already having a very serious discussion about the fact that I might not have kids and that that's okay. Yeah. Right? And it, and it is okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get that completely. Mm-hmm. I, I see how difficult it is... And this is something else that I think in the show. So Phyllis is a mother and then we see that she's sculpting or doing something. Yeah. So Which is kind of interesting because I I didn't know that she was that way inclined. Well, and I think she's doing that because she wants to. Yeah. But my impression is that she doesn't work outside the home. Fair. Yeah. Because women in 1970 generally didn't work outside the home once they had children. There was no support system built in, especially not in the U.S. There still isn't very much in the U.S., but in, even in Canada, like in terms of childcare and in terms of, of um, paid maternity leave and all these kinds of things that we now take for granted. And we make, the default has now become that if you work, which most women do, if you choose to have children you will more than likely come back to your job or to some version of your job. Right. If you're lucky enough to not need the money of a full-time job, then you might come back to a part-time job. But the idea that you choose to stay home and raise your children for the next 15 or 18 years is quite rare. But in 1970, that was, was the, the default. Norm. That was the norm. You, you stopped working, you had children, and you stayed home. And then maybe 20 years later, you went back to work because your kids were grown up and gone. Right. So. And it seems it's kind of, this episode was really interesting to me because I didn't, I didn't find it as funny as I found the last two. No. And I think, but you still have the audience reacting and they're mm-hmm. laughing hysterically mm-hmm. and it's, and There's I'm the sure. Track. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure at the time it was, there was a lot of humor to be found in it, but looking at it now from my vantage point, mm-hmm. It's all a little sad. It is. Yeah. Kind of. It, it kind of is. And what I found very funny, because I remember your grandfather, my father, mm-hmm. making fun of me for reading child-rearing books. Or really? For reading, not child-rearing as much as, well, I suppose they were. And this is when I was pregnant. What, or like Dr. Spock on. or something? Kind of. Yeah. 
and he and he just kind of poo-pooed the whole thing and said common sense will prevail uh and he and he was he was right more than he was wrong fair because in in this episode phyllis who is a very who's who's a who's a by the book kind of mother so she has literally literally she has these tomes of uh child rearing um how-to books and she's very permissive in that whatever the child wants the child gets she's just expressing herself and her needs and she refers to herself in the third person and to Bess in the third person which I find very off-putting <laughs> you know this business of uh, uh, mother is going out instead of saying I am going out yeah and ah I hate that but just the <laughs> the whole business of trying to treat this child in 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 a very clinical way clinical way instead and and it makes it it makes her come across as being, first of all, crazy, and second of all, cold. Yep. She's not warm and fuzzy to her child. Which they deal with. Yeah. And she finally starts to kind of break down and show yeah. her, her soft side and her vulnerability, and Mary goes, show her this, and she mm-hmm. might be a bit more responsive. But it also kind of brought up for me an interesting concept. You have, you know, kind of this portrayal of the smug parent, which you have, mm. you know, that that's that stereotypical oh, yeah. thing that you find now, you know, where somebody's pregnant and it's, oh, is it, what do you hope it's going to be, a boy or a girl? And the response is, so long as it's healthy. That's totally not the question. I'm asking you about gender. Do you want to raise a little boy or a little girl? And if so, like, that's what I'm asking you. Right. Don't be a smug asshole. <laughs> Just and, and also smug in terms of, of, are you a good mother? Yes. Because that that is one of those of of those one-upmanship things that women certainly did then and continue to do now. Oh yeah. Uh, in probably in more subtle ways, you know, the, the battle between the stay at home moms and the, and, and the, the working, working moms. moms and the non moms, the, the, the women who choose not to have children yep. and those who have children have the smug attitude of, well, you don't really know what true love is like and until what, you procreate, until you procreate, you know, that, that whole, I'm better than you are because because I've made these choices and I've created this spawn. And I've created this spawn, and the spawn can be, you know, a spoiled little brat. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's 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 more about the competition between women, mm-hmm. and now that there are more choices, the competition is about more things and more different things than there than it was then. Then it was well, you're a career woman and you don't have children yet. When you are lucky enough, and that's what Phyllis says Yeah, to when Mary, you're lucky when enough. When you're lucky enough to become a wife and then a mother, you'll yeah. understand. And it's so condescending. So condescending. It's the idea that unless you are, it, it almost creates this idea that real women are breeders. That yes. if you're, you are not a real woman unless, unless you, you enter bred. into wedlock and unless you breed. Yes, and that is so a defunct notion. Yes, it is. And uh, funny you say that because Rhoda, at one point when Mary asks her, what kind of a mother do, do, do you think you'll be? And she said, I don't care as long as I'm not, as long as I'm not an unwed mother. 
even that yeah. in and of itself is kind of it's ooh. so archaic by today's standards yeah it's like, yeah it's, so what if you're an unwed mother if it's by choice good for you yeah then who cares then who cares like i even think that that makes me think of you know diane keaton becoming a mother to two adopted children as a single mother in for her sure. 50s i think yeah. she adopted yeah so really it doesn't it really doesn't matter but at the time it was so embedded and ingrained in the culture that it's you could scandalous have. that yeah. you, that being an unwed mother is immoral yes you're a woman of loose morals yeah even that not becoming a mother mm-hmm. is scandalous because again you have the dialogue isn't a question of if it doesn't come down to whether it's or when. not they want to be a mother yeah. it's when they will become one regardless of their choice and that that must be done within the moral compass of wedlock absolutely and that's a little i mean that's incredibly perverse for me but i'm sure at the time that was the norm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and did the, you and, and also the have... idea of of if you are married, you will have children. Being childless by choice was strange. Was was a very foreign notion. And there were people then. Yeah. Um few I I, I mean I don't remember any at the then at the time. I remember people who were childless but not by choice. Right. Because that they couldn't conceive. But the childless by choice was something that came sometime later and at, and at first and I'm guilty of that as well at first I remember thinking wow that's that's kind of an interesting choice it doesn't it 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 narrows your view on life and the world if you choose not to have children I thought that they were being like a at the selfish. time yeah really yeah even I liberal me well, yeah, kind of thought that way. But you are still a product of your generation. Absolutely, a lot of your feminism didn't come into play in your life until you were until you were older. Mm-hmm. Like you, would you have actively considered yourself a feminist when you were a teenager or in your twenties? Yeah, I, I would. I would say yes. Okay. Yeah, I would say yes. But again, everything is a product of your upbringing, your where you live, how you live, mm-hmm. your parents. So yes, I would say from you know the basic tenets of of, of feminism are equal rights for men and women, whether it's in the workplace or out in the community or or, or in no. edu- or rights to education or mm-hmm. rights to reproductive freedom. So so yes, absolutely, it would never have occurred to me to think that men deserve to earn more than women no or that men should control my body right like so but there was still that kind of societally imposed little voice in the back of your head saying that to to reproduce is the is the option to reproduce is the it it, well the idea that if you choose to get married reproduction is kind of the the normal course of events after that and if you deliberately choose not to and I there was one woman that I worked with who was childless by choice and she was married I I had some run-ins with her professional run-ins with her and in my head my thought was you're not you're you're very um unapologetic and you are a real hardliner mm-hmm. and you're very uncompromising and if you had children that might soften because compromise is part of raising children so i thought that way about her okay um and there may be an element of truth to that or maybe she was just a bitch and would have been <laughs> a bitch as a mother and who knew and I, I think that's the that's also an interesting thought process because I don't think you would look at that now 
and think you're a childless, child, you're childless, therefore yeah. you're cold or right. having a child would make you softer. You right. know, that's, I'm, I'd imagine that's a pretty insane concept to you now. It is an insane concept. Having said that, having children yeah. forces you into thinking differently about how you relate to other human beings because you have this helpless little baby who needs you all the time and you do have to compromise and you have to be less perfect and you have to be less rigid in how you think. And, and so it does affect how you interact and does that then translate with how you interact with the rest of the world? Probably to some degree it does. But you wouldn't exactly suggest procreation as a no. means of attitude adjustment. No, 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 <laughs> no. And I think it's hard to know whether it's re- having children mm-hmm. or maturing as a young adult into older adulthood, which happens concurrently with having children, should you choose to have children. Yeah. So they blend. They- do you get, do you, do you get mature as you get older? Do you get mature as you have children? Yes and yes. Yes. Both independently Both of one independent another. Both independent of one another and together. Yeah. They work. They work Hand together. in hand. They do. Now, there's also the really interesting theme here of an acknowledgement of a loosening of boundaries when it comes to parenting so that you could become kind of being parenting versus being the child's friend. You kind of see it with Phyllis because she's she's reading all of these books mm-hmm. and they all have, you know, one opinion or another on how to properly gain your child's trust and give them autonomy while raising them appropriately. But it also seems like there's this pull on her part to really give her her space. Yes. Almost to a, a bit of an unhealthy extent. Yes. Whereas even with Mary, she sees this kind of test run of parenting in a weird way as going around and being friends being you know let's go shopping right. i'll take you to a movie we'll do this and you never really see her have to deal with the ugly side of parenting no, no of course not but that's definitely something that a mm-hmm. lot of parents deal with especially now more than ever you see this real push towards being your kid's friend and being the cool parent as yep. opposed to just legitimate parenting absolutely like, like parents of the 80s and the 70s they don't they don't make them like that anymore they don't <laughs> exist anymore well i think what happened and it's interesting because so this is 1970 and there was a whole generation that raised children in that era and who read the books just like phyllis did and mm-hmm. this happened in real life and who raised children in a very permissive it was a backlash to the very strict way that parents raised children in the 50s right so then these kids turn around these kids being people like me you and your friends and your yeah yeah, contemporaries uh, or you know even people who are somewhat older than me because in 1970 I wasn't of child well I was technically of childbearing years but I wasn't quite ready to bear children Um, but there was a whole movement to a much more permissive way and I think it was Dr. Spock who who did the whole business of let the child dictate how things are and so a whole generation of of spoiled um um directionless kind of children who were raised there is a happy medium you know there is I think parents have to set boundaries and at the same time 
you want to be friendly with your kid. You don't want to be this hardliner like they used to be in the 30s and 40s. You want them to like you, not hate you like you hated right. your parents. Right. I didn't have my So parents. to speak. I loved my parents. But anyway, <laughs> but but there was a generation where, where parenting was excessively permissive. And somebody who was born in the 70s is now having children. And I, and I see how they're raising their children. And so far, I'm not seeing... Those that. children are probably having children. You think? From the 70s? If you're born in the 1970s. They'd born be in, in their th- well in their 30s. In their now. 30s. So they're having children. That's what I'm saying. Oh, Those okay, children fair. are having children. And I'm not... What I've sort of observed so far... Actually, they might be in their 50s by now, if you really think about it. Yeah, I guess depends on... on I'm, I'm when. thinking when... Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. Roughly, they're procreating, they're having children... And is their upbringing now making them bring up their children differently or the same? Is it a backlash or is it more of the same? Of that same permissiveness. Right. The thing that I thought was very interesting is that despite, well, with the permissiveness, Bess goes to the store to buy a TV dinner. She's like, what, nine years old maybe? Probably. And she and, and no one bats an eye about this kid walking by herself to the corner store to buy food. No. And now you would never you let never a child go let, to the co- no. go to the store on their own to do that. No. But but you did that. You've told me stories about For going sure. and buying your sister cigarettes when you were like that's true. when you were still in Argentina. Well, or when you were here. We were here already. Okay. But it was because uh, you would yeah. buy you would you would get Dora her cigarettes. I got I got my sister her cigarettes, but that was that was a, an underhanded way for me to. To steal your some, own to, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right but, but that was it was different no it was it was different and and there was permiss and i don't i don't consider that permissiveness i just consider that that was normal yeah that wasn't that was normal and that was the way society was so kids were given more independence to be more mobile to be more active and, and to and we're also in a, in a way given a bit more responsibility yes. from a young age yes you give you give a child a task and that task is directly related to the rest of the household and yeah. that in and of itself is added yeah. responsibility yeah you don't get that now no i think at now all kids are really really coddled oh incredibly so to the point where you know again it comes down to that issue of you know getting a you know a for participation or a for effort and and here's a participation trophy yeah and while all of these things are great in theory because you don't want kids to feel bad you're essentially training children to to be helpless to be totally helpless to recognize that so long as i try i'll be rewarded and everything is good enough and and it's i don't believe that that's necessarily healthy no i think you need to learn to live with to live with and sit with disappointment. Yeah. You raised Derek and I to be, you and dad raised Derek and I to be, well, for the most part, good losers. <laughs> to to be able to accept defeat, to be able yep. to accept loss, and yep. to be able to process that as its own individual thing. Yep. Now, granted, as I've grown up and been on my own, some of those skills have gone by the wayside. I'm not necessarily as good as I should be. Well, I think we all are. Right, because that comes down to human fallibility. But I think it's so important to see that responsibility placed on on failure. That that onus kind of... Failure is part of... Is part of life. It's part of life. It's part of maturity. It's part of what we all go through. Mm -hmm. And the better you can handle it and the better you process it and deal with it, I think the more opportunity you will have for success in your life. Yeah. And you get that with this episode. It's so strange seeing that and eventually... And even allowing yourself as a mother to be vulnerable... 
Yeah. That strikes me as rare and also kind of of its time because that was kind of a shift. Like you said, you know, parenting in the 50s and 60s was vastly different from parenting in the 70s and 80s. Yes. And so when Phyllis sees Mary wearing a string of beads that Bess has made for her Mm -hmm. and they are, they're the love beads that are identical to the ones that Bess made for her own mother... She gets, she starts crying, saying she loves you more now. You're her mother now. She doesn't want to be with me. And she gets really, she, she allows herself to feel that emotion or rather to exhibit that emotion of being fragile and a little, a little delicate. I mean, human and being hurt. Yeah. And it's okay for your kids to see you hurt. Yeah. Whereas I think in the past that was frowned upon. You must, you must, you know, the stiff upper lip and all that. You must show... You must show no cracks in the facade. No cracks in the facade. You're the grown-up. You're the strong one. And if your kids see that, they're going to feel very upset and discombobulated because adults don't cry. Adults don't show emotion. Adults have it all in the bag. They have it all under control. And I think that created a whole issue, especially with boys and men. Yep. The whole boys don't cry mentality, which is... Well, we know, we know how well that works. Right. But did, did you ever feel like, I mean, I've, I know I've talked to you about it before. You, you've never liked being that vulnerable in front of me or in front of Derek. There is an element of you that kind of wants to pull that back a little. But I think that's just my personality. Okay. I don't think that's necessarily in front of you or Derek. I think that is, that, that, I think that's just me. I think I'm just a hard ass. You're not a, you're not as hard <laughs> as you think you are. I know. You might have been many moons ago, but yeah. You have I've, I've mellowed too. You've mellowed over time. Well, it was funny cuz earlier I was saying that you're an incredibly patient person and you were saying, "I'm not patient. I'm incredibly impatient." And I'm kind of looking at your life going, "Nope. Nope. Nope. Not so. Nope. Not not so. Not so at all." But yeah, it's just it's a very unusual thing, I think, to, at the time, it must have been incredibly unusual to encourage parents to allow their children to see them as human. Yes. Because you certainly didn't see your parents as, like you, I know Abuelito didn't really show any vulnerability in front of you guys when you were kids. Not, not much, no. 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 He was, he was the, the, he was of the that typical, generation. he was the typical dad of that generation that did, and the, the whole concept of parenting as an as an active thing they were parents and they procreated and had children and there were certain things that you needed to provide food and shelter and a moral compass Mm -hmm. and various things but you you weren't your child's friend not in my like in my parents generation with us yeah um it was it wasn't expected and it would have been odd and I, i actually remember having a friend in school in back in Argentina, so this is in primary school when I was like whatever, ten years old. Okay. And uh, and I remember she had a she had very liberal kind of hippie parents, <laughs> and uh, and they were and they were atheists. They like said, active atheists. Active card carrying atheists, which I I had to kind of figure out what that was. Huh? And um, and they celebrated everybody's holidays, so they were okay. they were they were equal opportunity atheists. Nice. And I thought. That's the coolest family. I like this family. They're 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 fun, um, and they were very open and very, I think, very progressive for their for their day. Right. But for the most part, that wasn't the case. 
There were the adults and there were the kids. And never the twain shall meet. Well, the kids, you know, it's the it's the there were there were certain modes of behavior that were expected for children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that too has kind of gone. You know, I'm gonna sound like an old lady to say, kids are misbehaving a lot more these days. Well, in adult surroundings. Yeah, and the adults allow it. Yeah, it's it's hard and well, it's rare to see actual parenting anymore. I know anytime Bob and I are in public and we see a kid misbehaving in public, mm-hmm. and anytime we see a par- the parent of said child kind of pull them aside, whether mm-hmm. it's on the street or in a shopping mall or anything, pull them aside, you know, kind of sit them down and say, this isn't okay. You're going to, yeah. you did this, you did that, you did the other. These things aren't okay. You're going to stop them right now or we're going to go home. You can sit here for an hour. I don't care, but this will not continue. And we both kind of look at each other and nod and go. Yeah, yeah good move, parenting. Parent. This is good. nice to see parenting. This is good. Because that's what you guys did with us. You have to. Yeah. And you and can't just be their friend. You can't just be their friend. And I think the hard job of parenting gets done in the home so that <clears throat> when you when you see well behaved children, you know that there's there's a whole backstory of proper behavior that happens in the home and bad behavior that's not tolerated. Mm-hmm. So by the time they get to the supermarket, they're fine because they know the rules of the game. And I think what's also important and that's a big thing, it just occurred to me, is that this issue of whether or not you're a good or bad parent, in this episode, and probably at the time, and I think to some extent still today, that onus falls on the mother and has for a long time. Largely. It's about whether or not you're a good mother, not whether or not you're a good parent. Therefore implying that there's that gendered bias, right? There's the expectation that the mother is successful, the father can just be there. The father has to just provide the the financial aspect, mm-hmm. you know, put put a roof over the over their heads, food on, on the uh, food on their back, and clothes on the table. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But that seems to be very much the case. Even now, you know, you see these the odd article here and there coming out, and I, you know, people saying, "Oh wow, your your husband will babysit the kids while you're out and having fun. That's so Excuse good. Me. You're so mm-hmm. lucky." And it's like, no, 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 no. He's not babysitting. They're his children. That right. He's parenting. He's He's parenting while I'm out gallivanting with my friends because, because other days he's out gallivanting with his friends and yes, that's okay. Exactly. He's doing his job. His job is a, is a his father is a and a parent. Yeah. And that's... But I th- stats, I think, still show that women still carry the can more than men overall in... And I'm, I'm talking in first world countries. Yes. Yeah. And it's... But I think it's important for us to stop vilifying women for being... You know, it, parenting is hard. Parenting it's, is hard. And now you've you've done it. I am, I am living proof. Yes, you are. I have not done it. I may not do it. I may. I've started wanting kids more in as I exit my 20s. We'll see if that continues. But I so I I can't really say anything about the difficulties of parenting, but I think it's important not to vilify parents who aren't always the stern disciplinarians or parents who are maybe too hard on their kids or parents who don't necessarily raise successful adults Mm -hmm. you know it's not always their fault no and it's not easy and it is hard and it's not only should we not vilify parents for that but i think specifically and as we see demonstrated in this episode we can, we need to stop vilifying women for being you know quote bad mothers. Mm. There is 
you know, save for really extraneous circumstances where there's, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, any drug kind abuse, of drug whatever. abuse, any kind of active malignant behavior. Or, well, neglect. Or neglect. Yeah. You're, you it's, fail to provide the necessities for that child because of all this other stuff that's going on in your life. Yes. Leaving that aside. Leaving that aside. okay. Exactly. We need yeah. to stop vilifying women for that. And yeah. Because it's just, it's been too easy for too long. Mm-hmm. And you see it here. You know, Phyllis kind of thinks of herself as a as failure a, of yeah. a mother. And Mary thinks that, you know. And, she, and Mary agrees. And Mary, first. yes. She says, yeah, you are a bad mother. And, and, I, and I think... And I think she's unfortunately a misguided mother more than a bad mother. Well, yeah. She's like reading too many books and not actually spending enough time with the child in very normal ways, unstructured yes. ways. And that it's important to kind of find, yeah, to find that balance. And just yeah. at, from, from woman to woman to support each other instead of just, well, no, not I could the, do it better. Or, yeah. well, no, you're a bad parent because here. And yeah. it's, that's so seldom actually the case. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And it's hard. And, it, and it's particularly hard. In some ways, it's harder today because most women work. Yep. So you're and there's tired. a whole and there's a whole other set of expectations placed yeah. on women yeah. to to be the breadwinner, to be independent, to have a fascinating, interesting life, mm-hmm. but to still get a man, hold him down, create kids, make babies, make babies raise babies, yep. and and make them be successful. Yep. And if not, if any one little thing of that doesn't work out, you're a failure as a woman. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know. No wonder so many people are in therapy. Right? Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but that's Bess, you is my daughter now. And an interesting episode. I'm really Indeed. kind of. We've, a little we're, different. We're three episodes in and yeah. it's every single episode seems to be dealing with really interesting issues. Now, I'd, I'd have to imagine that it's going to kind of simmer down a little bit eventually. And like some episodes will be a little less eventful, but we're three episodes in and the next episode is called Divorce Isn't Everything. Wow. So we're in for a treat. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so episode... I look forward to it. Right? So episode four, Divorce Isn't Everything. Rhoda convinces Mary to join the, quote, Better Luck Next Time Club, an organization for divorced people, so they can take advantage of its discounted charter flights to Paris. <laughs> okay, so maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's not going to be that profound an episode. However, the, the, it's got divorce in the title and it was in 1970. So this so, could be interesting. Yes, it could. So tune in next week. Of course, episode four, Divorces and Everything. And feel free to email us at afterallpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me personally on Twitter at aphis8. Uh, my mom over here, you can find on Twitter and Instagram, both of us Twitter and Instagram, uh, herself at Sylvia McCon. That's with an I, no Y's in this Sylvia's name. And you can find us on Twitter at a frame, af, a frame Apart. I have another podcast. It's called A Frame Apart. You should check it out. But this one is called After All. So you can find After All on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at After All Podcast. Again, that's at After All Podcast. Email us afterallpodcast at gmail.com and listen to the show on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Pocket, the Pocket Cast app, and of course, iTunes. So rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Every subscription gives us a little bit more visibility so more people can find us and enjoy the show. Let us know what you think and tune in next week. Mm-hmm.